Hey everyone, I'm Alex Cantor. And I'm Lily Rosenthal. Welcome to our podcast, Hot Pastrami. We are coming to you from our favorite booth at Cantor's Deli here in LA. We're going to invite some of our friends to join us for a chat over some matzo ball soup and pastrami sandwiches. So join us for new episodes of Hot Pastrami every week on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, YouTube, or wherever you listen to podcasts. See you soon. Bye. Hey, this is Cleveland Brown, and you're listening to the About Last Night podcast. I guess your TV must be broken. Ha <laughs> Just kidding. Actually, I'm not kidding. You're bored. This weekend, I will be in Omaha, Nebraska at the Funny Bone. Do you live in Omaha? Do you know where it is? Can you get there? Well, come to there tomorrow and Saturday. Two shows Friday, two shows Saturday. Omaha Funny Bone. Tickets at AdamRayComedy.com. And the next weekend, one of my favorite clubs on planet Earth, Tempe Improv and Copper Blues Live in Phoenix, Arizona, December 5th through the 8th. Thursday at Copper Blues Live. Uh, Friday is Tempe and Copper Blues Live. Saturday, same thing. Sunday, Copper Blues Live. All that ticket info at adamraycomedy.com. Come out and see me doing shows. Uh, also, tomorrow, my, uh, my album... Uh, Songs for the People, my comedy music album, is going to be available for pre-order. And I'm uh, I'm very excited because I worked really hard on this. And the songs are catchy. And the sketches are hilarious. And it's available for pre-order tomorrow at adamraycomedy.com. Go get it. Next weekend, Brad Williams will be in Denver at the Comedy Works downtown December 5th, 6th, and 7th. Go see Brad. Denver Comedy Works downtown. Bradwilliamscomedy.com for tickets. Today's episode is a bonus episode because uh, we couldn't just get right to 500. Got to space it out. Got to let the anticipation build. Of course, Monday's episode is number 500 with Dana Carvey and then uh, another bonus episode and then the best ofs, part one and two of 2019. That'll all be coming your way to fill out the rest of the uh, year. Um, today's episode, very special. One of my favorite people on planet Earth, my acting coach, teacher. Um, Post-USC, I met this guy, uh, at Leslie Kahn uh, Acting Studio, and then he broke off and started his own uh, acting uh, studio. I guess they call it Acting Salon and Studio. Uh, but he's a private coach uh, to many big working actors and superstars. Uh, he's got his own acting studio, the John Rosenfeld Studio, which you can find class info, um, coaching. I do all my private coaching for all my auditions with John or uh, with one of their many amazing uh, teachers. Uh, David Sullivan, who's been uh, on the podcast a few times, uh, teaches there. They have just so many professional uh, people from top to bottom. It's uh, truly the best acting studio in Los Angeles. Uh, I put my name in and my money on that. And John is the man and he runs the whole ship. And uh, if you're a young aspiring actor and you want to uh, get a... Uh, uh, consultation, just kind of see where you're at, see if class is for you. They'll find the class that's for you. Uh, they've got so many options for um, uh, levels of class, and uh, and uh, it's just they're they're solid people, and they uh, they're direct. They don't give you any bullshit, but they're encouraging, which is what you need uh, when you jump into this business. Because <laughs> we're all delusional about what's possible, which you got to be. But they help to navigate and steer you in the right way and, uh, and make it fun, which is uh, what it should be at the core of it. So if you want class info or you're thinking about joining, uh, go to johnrosenfeld.com for all that info. Um, and uh, maybe you'll meet today's guest, John Rosenfeld. Oh, yeah, baby. Father, uh, husband, acting guru, actor. 
and uh, and a s- sweet set of pipes. Holy shit! You'll hear on this episode, man. It was uh, it was uh, tough to tough to say to stay soft. <laughs> he sounds like Clooney, man. I told him that right off the bat. Um, but John is uh, one of my closest dudes in L.A. Uh, again, he's known me since the beginning, since my Wolverine days, and uh, since I got it going and seen the the grind that has been my career that uh, is still going. You know, the ups and, and downs. Had a lot of candid conversations with him, and uh, he's really been a true supporter and champion to me throughout the years, which he is for everybody that uh, comes across uh, his, uh, his mug, because that's just who he is. Uh, this episode's got so many great stories and, uh, and advice for young actors, how he got to start, uh, his relationship with his uh, f- brother and, and father growing up, um, his ties to the uh, Oakland Raiders, um, how he started uh, in acting, uh, his, his uh, you know, the way he started John Rosenfeld Studios. It's all in there. It's fun. It's funny. It's insightful. It's inspiring. Enjoy the fuck out of this episode and, uh, and go to johnrosenfeld.com for everything John Rosenfeld Studios uh, and, uh, and go get your Hollywood on, baby. Uh, follow me at Adam Ray Comedy, at Alan Podcast, uh, at Funny Brad. About last, about last night for all your past and present apps and all your ALN merch. ShopAdamRay.com for all the Adam Ray merch. And of course, email us at aboutlastnightpod at gmail.com because I'm doing an Adam Ray merch holiday giveaway, baby. So email us your favorite app, where you got uh, the pod, how you get into it, your favorite episodes, aboutlastnightpod at gmail.com. And I'm going to read a bunch of fan mail coming up uh, on the 500th episode uh, on Monday. And, uh, and give away some more. And a bonus episode next week, I'll do it too. But uh, about last night, pod at gmail.com. Email us uh, your favorite Alien moments and all that bullshit. Uh, read the Room, my album, of course, still available on iTunes, Spotify, Google Play, uh, and uh, my uh, Songs for the People music album pre order tomorrow, adamraycommy.com. All right, now that we've got the tour dates, Twitter handles, and merch info out of the way. Sit back, relax, and enjoy a brand new episode of the About Last Night podcast with the one and only John Rosenfeld. Close. Maybe scoot over and do that. Oh, uh, there we go. Yeah, and just get it, get it right up on your face. You know, get right. Up. <laughs> there you go. Yeah. You feel like I feel like you're the doctor. I know. You know I was like, no, just okay. Just <laughs> open your legs. No, it's good. Just hold on. It's gonna come in a little cold. How many doctors have you auditioned for or played? Because I feel like, first of all, how often have you gotten the Clooney comparison? Yeah, you know, uh, a lot. Yeah, a dude. lot. Uh, the voice, the looks, the mannerisms. I'm not hitting on you on minute one, but like, you know. I'm so a lot, of, a lot of similarities. No, I was coaching. I, I'm not gonna say who, but there was. It was very funny. This there, there was a particular uh, Oscar-winning actor that I was coaching, and uh, it was a little strange. But he kept on looking at me. Kept on looking at me. He's like, "You remind me of someone." And every time I'd be like, I'd be talking to him. I'd be giving him some notes on the text, and he just kept on looking at me. And I was like, does he not like me? Does he think I'm like a weird guy? Yeah, yeah, yeah. What's happening? Why do you keep on looking like, at me? Like as you'd be like giving him feedback? It just, you could tell his mind just kept on going somewhere. And he just kept on looking at me with these piercing eyes. And I'm, and, and you know, I, 
I, I felt like I was giving him valuable information. Yeah. But then eventually he goes, I got it. George Clooney. Whoa. And I was like, I, I mean, I'm just a, I'm a bald Jewish guy. So you're like, I'm like, I don't, he's like, I don't know. Just the mannerisms, the something. I'm yeah. Like, okay. Well, and at heart, I mean, it never hurt your feelings to be compared to George Clooney. Fuck no. And at yeah. Clooney's core, he is a bald Jewish guy. You know, think about what he brings to most of his, his parts. Just that. Uh, um, all right. Well, we should tell people how we met. Uh, great. First of all, I consider you one of my best friends, one of my closest people in my life. Uh, this is your first podcast ever? No, 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 no. I've done, no, I've done, I've done a few. All right, this has been John Rosenfeld on the about. I thought this was going to be your your icebreaker. My icebreaker. Yeah, I'm sorry. into the podcast world. I'm sorry. What other podcasts have you done? first comedy but, podcast? Yes, by okay, far. Great, definitely right, first great. comedy podcast. But well, the one that I'm really excited about. Because you seem really comfortable on the mic and in the couch. I do. Yeah. Okay. Well, thank you. Well, it's well, it's very different to be with you because yeah. like, you know, I just literally coached you yesterday. Yeah. And like you've been to my house many times. Yeah. And my wife like considers you family. Yeah. And I consider you family. Yeah. And I'm just like so proud of you and I just know you so well. So it's very different. And I'm sitting at your new home. It's but awesome. where it is awesome. Where do we uh but I'm not a godparent to your son. And no, that's like that's next level. Right. Do you have friends that are god uh, parents? Todd Grinnell is uh the I godfather. was gonna guess that. Yeah, he's the godfather. How do, is that a difficult process? I've always wondered that. Because one of my friends told me once, and this was a backhanded compliment, he goes, we almost asked you to be a godparent. I go, I don't know how to take that right now. Like, we, th we thought about it. And then he said his wife actually was like, oh, like the lifestyle he lives. Like, what if he gets too drunk on the road and <laughs> wanders into traffic? I'm like, Jesus Christ. Well, the thing about being a parent is you think of the worst case scenario. Like, what if we just both got killed in a plane crash? Who would take over? Yeah, and you're like, and you know, and then you think about your parents, and you're like, okay, well, my mom's older, yeah, and I don't know if she could. I, I think that would be a burden, and I think about my little sister. She's being, you know, no, <laughs> <laughs> I love her. It's just she's not, you know, yeah, she's not equipped for that. Some relatives are not point. parent material, and you know, Todd uh, has his shit together. He has his shit together. He's and got some he money. Loves my boy, and he's got some money. And yeah, he'll he'll do checks everything. checks all the boxes. He, he would check all the boxes. But him knowing uh, your son is that helps. Like that, there's and he feels comfortable with Todd, right? Oh yeah, and uh, Todd is literally also a co-executor of my estate. Should I pass with my sister? So Whoa. Like, basically, if my wife and I, you know, something bad sure. happens, the lawyers call Todd. Dang. Yeah, and I know that he would make the best choices for. You'd my, have to, yeah. At least now we don't know where Todd will be in twenty years. <laughs> I need to redo my yeah. will. <laughs> um, when did you start? Uh, when did acting even become? You grew up where again? I was born in LA. That's right. Yeah. Um, okay, so the business was kind of just. Do you feel like people are more uh, likely to be a part of the business if you're born around Hollywood? I mean, just. If you're in where it's all happening, do you feel like you just get a closer look? You have like, you know, just... I mean, to a certain extent, in the same way that like, you know, if you grow up in a coal town, you're very likely yeah. that might be the... Like, what's the what are the businesses and where you're from? Uh, you know, and so many businesses are just somehow tied to the entertainment industry. Uh, so probably you're more likely. But I mean, I was actually... I know I was going to go into... I, Look, I have plenty of friends who became lawyers and, and, and you know, uh, I was going to say accountants, but that's not true. I yeah. don't know a single accountant. Uh, 
but they didn't go into the entertainment, but it's usually tied somewhere to it. Yeah. But um, I knew that I was going to, the things that interested me were uh, writing, act, just being living some type of creativity. Actually, I mean, I played baseball, and at one point that was that right. idea. Let's become a professional baseball player. Yeah. But then you start to realize that's not going to happen. When do you start realizing that? You know, I made it to the LA City All Star team. It's a big deal. It was a big deal. And I faced some pitcher that had been drafted like second in the major league draft. Damn. And uh, at the All Star game, he threw like a hundred mile per hour pitch at me. Not and I had that. never seen anything like it. And a guy that eventually made it to the major leagues uh, uh, batted behind me. And I watched him uh, hit the ball over the fence. He hit a home run and with such an ease. And I just started to like compare myself to some of the people who I knew were yeah. truly great, right? Who made it to the majors and the, or at least the minors, right? And I've just my you just start to realize I started to realize my my arms were too slow. <laughs> I also didn't love the culture of hanging around major league. Oh, really? Around players? I just yeah, didn't, I, I didn't love like I liked being I liked the creative community, and it just a lot of the uh, the locker the locker room stuff was not my jam. Right. There is, I mean, you know, and, and I, you've made a lot of these in class and in coaching, like sports and the entertainment business. A lot of uh, metaphors to be had, a lot of similarities, right? Right. Um, how much of that, first of all, not when you recognize that you're not going to play baseball, then is it immediate like acting was in the, you know, um, in the passenger seat or was it just like, all right, now I need to, if once I realize this dream is not going to happen of baseball, like, what do you, when do you go to plan B? Well, speaking, you know, being from LA, I, you know, I, early on, I like was interested in acting. Right. Uh, I mean, you know, when I was 13. Um, but I think that I really was loath to enter into acting because I was surrounded by so many well-known actors and like families. Like I knew, I knew them. Oh, really? So I was like, you know, you compare yourself to, uh, you know, the children of parents uh, who are well-known actors. Right. And I, I didn't feel comfortable actually calling myself an actor until I went away. A couple weeks ago. Yeah. Yeah. A couple of weeks ago. Yeah. <laughs> no, but until I went away to, uh, <clears throat> it was really going to college and then going to graduate school. I want to make sure that when I came to LA, I felt I, that I wanted to like have built something on my own. Do you Damn. know what I mean? I don't know you went to grad school for acting. Yeah. Where? Uh, University of Chapel Hill, North Carolina. Damn. Rangers, yeah. Wow. Okay, so that's, people that do that, you are a full-on, do you feel like you could be doing and coaching and teaching <clears throat> the stars and, uh, and the people that you are with as much chutzpah if you didn't go to grad school? No. No, not a shot. Because you just got way more training no, and experience. Absolutely not. And no, but it speaks to no. It just taught me to work hard. Gotcha. You know, it's like you, the thing that the acting and sports are similar is that, um, you know, the way you get good at anything, you just do it. Yeah. And your only expectation is that you're going to keep on showing up, and that you're going to keep on, you know, you're going to fail, and you're going to learn, and, you know, you have no idea what's going to happen. You're just going to continue uh, becoming better at your craft. So just you, like you. I mean, yeah. look at you. Yeah, well, I mean, God, I met. I think I met you when you were 23. Dude. Uh, you were a baby coming know, out of man. USC. You were working at Universal Studios. Yeah, wow. Do you remember that? Take oh, me, my God. Take me through that initial. I remember I met you. Uh, yeah, I was, I was just graduated. I think it was 2006 or seven. Okay. Because I, um, I had gotten into Leslie Kahn classes right out of college, right? Yeah, and I taught there. And you taught there, but I was in her class, 
Right. And then I went to New York to live with a girl for four months. And then when I came back, my spot was filled. Right. So they were like, well, and, but I wanted to stay in class. Right. And thank God, you know, as much as going to New York was kind of a shit show, she ended up moving to Reno and fucking a cameraman. Thanks for bringing it up. And uh, <laughs> and then, but it, if that didn't happen, then I, and I, I didn't decide to come back, then I wouldn't have gotten in, in your class, which was a complete 180. It was like, you know, there was such a com sense of community in that class that I... Yeah, there's some amazing people in that class, oh, too. Oh, it was unbelievable, man. It, it was, I know Bram Brash was in that, and Michelle Norton, and... Um, uh, Paul uh, Patton in there. Yep, and Teddy Sears. Yeah, Teddy. And uh, who was just a booking machine. Mary Elizabeth. Oh, yeah. <clears throat> and for was... somebody like me, who was... I definitely was, I think, on the, young, on the youngest. Everybody was, you know, late 20s, maybe early 30s, but... Uh, it was so inspiring because like coming out of college and then like trying to build something out of nothing and you know, you're going into maybe an audition for, you know, cold case and, and they're like, Oh, look at your resume. And they're like, Oh, you were in a play called vinegar Tom. That fucking really helps right now. And you're like, I swear I can act. And then like, you know, you just like in stand up, man, like when you're coming up, you need a sense of community and people around you that are in it and that are like, they just love to do it and make you, uh, you know, be able to with uh, sustain through the the struggles of it all, and go. Oh man, be, I love. There's other people that are going through what I'm going through, right? And that class was like from the get go, dude. It was it's really a game changer because I remember coming back from New York, feeling kind of down and being like, oh, I'm gonna jump back into class. I didn't really vibe with the people in my class, so just knowing I was gonna enter back into that world and vibe was like giving me anxiety. And, uh, and you know, this is a big testament to you and, and why you've been so successful. You set the tone for that class. There was a, the, and again, to go back to sports, the right amount of like support and encouragement, but also like calling people on their bullshit and holding people accountable, which I don't know when you got that or when that was instilled in you from folks, but like, it's why people flock uh, to you and why you, you know, why your business is flourishing. Oh, God, well, I'm so proud of you. I, you know, you're someone who I hold up as an example of, of following uh, well, first of all, just as I said, showing up, but God, I remember you so clearly. But sure, I look, listen, you were always talented, you know, but what I saw with you was there was such like a hunger to be doing something. Yeah. Like you were, you're an example of someone who creates hyphenates. You know, you are a series of hyphenates, but you just kept on, you just kept on coming. And I remember you were working Universal, you were doing stand up, you were right. like, maybe I don't remember what you were doing. Some doing sketches, some YouTube you're doing videos. sketches. Yeah. You're doing those videos, so many videos. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And you were coming to class and you were getting ready and you're just like, look, I don't know. I was know, doing all the rehearsals. I was trying to make that a priority. You had no idea yeah. which thing was going to work, but yeah. you sustained that yeah. for the last, you know, 13, 14 years. Yeah. And uh, I think that. I don't know whether it's your the way you were raised. I remember you, I remember I taught your mom. You did. You said to my mom. Oh, there. My, oh my god, god dude. Uh, but you were someone that um, found joy in just creating, and that was, uh, and I don't know, somehow managed to have perspective that look, something's going to happen. But I always remember you a few. I don't know whether you remember this day. At one point, you you hadn't been booking. And uh, I thought about this day real clearly. Probably like, so frustrated, like, so, and also so early, right? Like, it was, it was fairly early. So you're probably like, yeah, man, you just got going. Like, it was like it was it was before you booked the heat, yeah. and uh, and um, you had said to me, "What do you think it is? You know, why do you think I'm not working?" 
And I said, I always remember, I said, it's in your eyes. Do you remember that? Yeah. You don't have the look yet. Wow. I do remember that. <coughs> Holy shit. I said, you didn't have the look. And, and <coughs> you know, it's so much of what I can tell when people walk into my room. It's a look. It's of knowing that you're ready. It's, in turn, it's truly being present. It's truly knowing who you are at this moment, where you are in your creative process. Yeah. And I love that that didn't derail you. That just made you go, all right. And I said, it will come. And it did. And when the second it started coming, then the, like, the, your career just started to Dang. Grow. How do you get so Except locked in? And again, back on you, like when do you, have you always been this uh, perceptive and comfy with, A, just people, but being able to read people and, and give, you know, critique and advice, but in a constructive manner that's going to help people? Because what you're doing is not like there's a lot of classes and teachers and people to do, but it's like, you know, there's an everyone wants that extra <laughs> that extra thing that makes them feel like they do. Like you saying that to me, like, hey, it's gonna happen. It's blah blah blah. Like I didn't feel like you were feeding me bullshit. No, it wasn't. And uh, because you know, uh, you can just get that sense. And and well, if you ask my mom, she'd yeah. say I was like this very early on. Hilarious. But I think look, I. I, my mom's a psychotherapist, you know, um, and she is a, uh, I think, early on. Uh, look, I think everybody, when, when people walk into my room for like a consultation, uh, you can already tell so much about the way, about their upbringing, you know? And I think, look, there are certain actors who are already have a, have a leg up by the way they were raised. You know, I right. think if you were raised by parents who connected with you, who encouraged you to explore, to fail, yeah, you know, to allow you to fuck up, you that, get a sense of that when they walk in the room, yeah, hundred percent. Yeah, versus the versus uh, a person that was ra raised in a very strict environment or shamed. Uh, there's all that's already an obstacle to right. coming in there and being open to or to really receive criticism or and. You know, so when I heard that I had a lot to work on in my acting, I didn't hear, I wasn't shamed by it. I was like, great, let's work on it. And that's exactly what you are like, let's work on yeah. it. Instead of, oh, I'm a bad human being. So I think, uh, you know, and also when I was a kid growing up, I think, uh, you know, I had, like you, you know, divorced parents. Yeah. And I was definitely put in a position of uh, voyeur. So you're always like kind of watching. I, listen, I, I saw this uh, thing with, uh, Alan Alda was an interview and it really resonated with me where he was talking about how he had been raised by a mom who was a little all over the place. Yeah. So he had to really watch her to know like when was the right to when to gauge when's the right time to approach her. Yeah. And I think I was raised in an environment where I really had to like watch my parents. And I saw them as like humans rather than as like just parents. Man, that's a cool moment when that happens. When yeah. Did that, when did that happen? Really early on. Dude, it didn't happen for me until late in high school. Wow. Isn't that crazy? Yeah. Was not like, was like, yeah, show up to my shit, but like, I don't really want to kick it with you. Well, I was able I'm to witness a, of that. I was able to, I was exposed to a lot of their flaws, you know, a lot of like their, uh, I, I, I witnessed a lot of crises. Yeah. And I think when you witness it, it you develop an immediate amount of empathy, but also perspective yeah. of like, oh, you're getting in your own way. And you just realize like we're all flawed and that doesn't mean we don't have to be perfect. And especially when you Damn. see your parents are flawed, you know. It, Who are in your parents or the, you put them up on this pedestal, right? 
you're like, hey, you made me. I don't know how the fuck that happened or where it happened or how it happened, and I don't want to know. But the fact that you are doing what you're right, so then you start to they get they get kind of uh, normalized into people. You're like, oh, you're just like me, but and this is possible to not be perfect. And yeah, and it also makes you try to understand where they're coming from, gotcha. and it makes you more. Uh, conscious of the human condition and like Damn, where, what age did you pick up on all this seven eight fuck dude no wonder no wonder you're yeah seven, i mean that's eight, case in it, point no wonder you can relate and connect with people so well that's crazy you go oh this is who people are at seven and eight fuck dude. but i was i had to uh, to make life bearable to understand why, you know, maybe they weren't paying attention to me or why they were taking care of themselves at that particular moment. You know, you just seek to understand. I just think it's... Dude, you know. at seven and eight, I was seeing my stepmother as an alien on VHS and seeing Kim Basinger and wondering what that noise was in my pants. <laughs> and you were just breaking people down. Well, I also had a brother that was... Uh, older? Older. And, you know, he had a, sometimes a t he had a tough time. And he was a very... He was pretty awful. He was... He was pretty awful to me. Uh, love you, Paul. Uh, but he was pretty awful. Wait, and like I, bullied you or what? Oh yeah, he was awful. And, and do you feel like you need a little, a little bit of that sibling roughness? Does every or no? Sure. I mean, I was never. I, well, I was very nice, but like gotcha. he was. Yeah, at one point, you know, I got chubby as a kid, and he just loved to pick on me. And Oof. he would call. He, I remember he once he what goes. Some of the best teasing nicknames he gave you. Well, no, he'd do something worse. Before I could spell, he'd go with his friends, John, you're obese. And I'd go, what does that mean? And he's like, look it up. And I would go downstairs. Oh. And with his friends watching, like hanging over the banister as I'd look up in the, what was like, remember those big encyclopedia yes. books you'd have? And I wouldn't know. So I was like, how do you spell it? And he'd go, O, B, E, S before iPhones, you know, you're like, Dude, oh, right you're like, great, great. And his friends would be laughing. And of course, instead of just Jeez. hating my brother, I tried to understand where it came from. And it was, you know, Dude, this is what you read when you pulled up. Obese. What, did, what, did I, what adjective what? grossly fat or overweight? God damn. Thanks, Paul. So his friends are a hugely obese young man. And, and Jesus, man. In my defense, I was not. Yeah. I was just a chubby. Husky, yeah. A, a chubby. Everyone's chubby at some point. Right. And so, but, you know, I, I kind of, uh, you know, he just had a difficult time. I was a sweet kid, and I think I just rubbed him the wrong way. But again, you just try to have empathy. You're like, how, what is your experience? And, you know, he was a kid that was, you know, I developed a little faster than him as we grew up. You know, like he, he I got... I started dating before he did, and that was really hard for him. A thousand percent. Oh, Dude, yeah. That's and was, a direct and, and correlation was, to him lashing out. And I was a better athlete than he was. Yep. And when I beat him in basketball, it just drove him crazy. So Was I there tried, a point when you were like, hey, Paul, can you look up the word pussy real quick? <laughs> and what is it? Oh, is it? And it's a picture of uh, me and, and, some, and some girls like... Dude, I did something akin to that. Dude, yeah. yeah. Of yeah. course, right? There's you, that, you learn to fight back. Damn, but you, okay, so you had that understanding yeah. of, st of like, all right, he's coming at me, but there's a reason he's doing it. Like, what's going on with him that exactly. he's... Empathy, just empathy. Did, uh, did you do plays in high school and middle school? Like, when you started to get the acting bug, what, where do you, how do you start to, you know... Sure, you know, I went to high school with some uh, pretty well-known uh, people, so uh, Jack Black... 
shut was uh, he was a year older than me, and Maya Rudolph was a good friend, and she was a year younger. No way. And uh, so Jack would always get the leads, you know. Uh, and uh, this was at what high school? Crossroads in Santa yes. Monica. Yeah. My buddy Max Winkler, I think, went right. there. Oh, I'm, yeah. yeah, I've known Max and yeah. Henry, and yeah, yeah, you know, and that's a yeah, it's a good school out here. Yeah, I mean, it's different back then. Gotcha. You know, I mean, it's was just an but inhabit. a performing arts. That was, was. A, we played baseball, I did theater. It, that, that was the perfect school for me because it allowed me to fuck up. And, you know, I was still finding myself. And then I went to Oberlin and that I really loved Oberlin in Ohio, uh, which is in the middle of nowhere, but allowed me to just kind of be around people. I, I knew intuitively that I needed to get out of LA. I needed to be around people who were not Los Angeles. Right. You know? What, what, what does that mean? I just, you know, it was hard to be surrounded by all that affluent, all that affluence. I didn't have an incredibly affluent family. Mm. I did not. And to be around it, it just, it always felt to me as something like not a real world. Yeah. It just didn't feel real and it didn't feel authentic. And I also saw a lot of people not that happy, you know? And I went to go to Oberlin and then moved to New York. I mean, go, go, go to grad school and then moved to New York. Right. I really wanted to like, I want to make sure that I, I don't know, I was just still, I was finding myself. Wait, real quick, in the plays with Jack Black, you were acting alongside, like you guys were in productions yeah, together I remember what we did i think i i think we did some brecht together damn you know could you tell at that point were you like you could see a little something special with jack yeah oh god yeah yeah jack just has always been had his own thing <coughs> and jack and jack always knew who he was as a performer you know he was a lovely guy shy you know outside of acting but Crazy. somehow when he got on stage He's what you see today. Yeah. So, I mean, he's not doing anything really different today than he was back then. That's crazy. Yeah. Maya, too. Maya, I mean, I saw her. She's, I saw a ground, she invited me to a groundling show she did when she was like 21 or whatever. Oh, my God. And she was just genius. Do you think it's because, you know, the same way that I asked you, like, hey, what, what is it? Why am I not booking? And you were like, it's in your eyes. Like, you don't know who you are yet. It's going to take time. Do you think, how rare are those cases with people like somebody like Jack Black that you just said, he knew who he was pretty early and then- As a performer. Yeah, I don't know if, oh, okay. A, I don't know as a person. But as a performer, to be that locked in, those cases- Rare. Yeah. Rare. Like, I, I have a fun story. Uh, a friend of mine, Brian Daly, was producing a movie. And uh, this is like, I, I believe in the 90s or- uh, and he, wanted, and he went to high school with Jack and he asked Jack to come in and read and Jack said something like, no, to come in for a director's meeting, not a read. And Jack said, I'd much rather audition than have a, than have a meeting. Because Whoa. he intuitively knew, I feel much more confident in my acting than I do in just a wow. meeting. And I thought that was, that just showed some, I think I would have been, I would have much preferred a meeting. Fuck yeah. You know, like, because I may fail in my audition, yes. but as a meeting, I can do okay. Yeah, I can crush that. And I, I don't know, I felt a sense of envy that he knew himself that well. Uh, so you go to New York and then that's to, to what, just gain, like you said, get well, you go around. to grad school and of course everyone went to New York and, you know, I just started, you know, grad school just teaches you to work really hard and I, you know, and, and also, you know, you learn, um, you learn your body, you learn technique. Yes. You just, it, but again, you know, I left grad school. I graduated by the time I was 25. So I still knew very little, you know. Uh, you didn't have as much, what? Um, experience. Yeah. You just don't have the experience. That's why they tell what some young filmmakers like don't even go. Well, I mean, and I would love to know your thoughts on this now. Like people even saying, should you even go to 
theater school or film school because they're like just start getting experience and just start but it's like dude everyone well, what do you think had what did usc do for you uh, grounded me a, a, a lot i was so i remember the first few years i was coming out of you know musicals in high school and had done maybe one play and uh, that was that didn't have song and dance attached and so i remember i was just my acting teacher the the big notes i kept getting was like you're just you don't need to show us everything as much you're very you're trying to, and you're so expressive. They were like, they're, you know, in film and TV, like you, everything's here in the face with your eyes. You got to be simple. And I, because I was so big and like, you know, even with a small line of like, I wonder what's over there in the tool chest. And they're like, dude, no one talks like that. I'm like, on the stage, they, they do in, in, you know, Pippi Longstocking. And so it made me just bring everything down. And also... But, working working but, hard and getting... I mean, I don't know. Having people, too, at a place where you feel as prestigious and you look up and see, you know, LeVar Burton went here and fucking Zemeckis School. Like, you, there's something about being around all that that does infuse you with a little bit of like, oh, shit, I can really get good here if I... And maybe it's delusion and maybe it's whatever. It's what you put in is what you get out. But I don't know. Looking back, I... Well, you need a sense of delusion. Like, yes. hey, you need a sense of delusion. I just got to keep doing this and then something good will happen. But how do I know I couldn't have just jumped into some classes with you right out of the gate and not gone to college? Maybe I would have gotten, been further along. Who knows, man? Maybe. Is, well, that's what's so hard about this. There's no direct line. Yeah. And I think because there's no direct line, that's what, lead, that's what makes actors get so paralyzed. Like, what do I do now? But I think, look, if anything, grad school taught for me that acting is a practice, you know, and that, you know, I left there, of course, thinking I knew everything. And then you get out of there and you slowly learn you know nothing. And, you know, I think as teaching acting, I know that what acting is to me, it's constantly evolves. And, you know, the way I talk about it certainly shifted over the last years because, you know, you start to gain a, a deeper understanding of what it can be. Yeah. And you also just witness actors' own prejudices and, you know, how training has not served them, how it sometimes serves them. Um, you know, I think with acting, you have to constantly uh, fall back in love with it. You know, you're gonna, it, it's, what it is for you at tw in your 20s is gonna change by the time you're in your 40s, and yeah. that's the beauty of it all. If it all stayed the same, it would grow very stale and boring. But I think acting, you know, Javier Bardem did this podcast where I just heard him say, you know, every role he takes is an opportunity to learn something about himself, and I believe that to be true. I mean, it's great when you're Javier Bardem and you get those opportunities. Yeah, dude. Like, hey, I'm going to take that. Sometimes it's all going to be do this, doing the same thing I've been doing for the last five years. Yeah. But, you know, um, I think that acting is, well, like your podcast, I'm sure it hasn't evolved over the last year. Oh, yeah. I mean, when it started, it was just Brad and I with no guests. And then we started to have guests. And then it was, we had all these kind of bits and you know, games and, and themes and taking callers. And then we realized, oh, we just want to have conversations with these people and have so show an, an extra, go ahead. No, so your understanding of like your, what you like about it, I'm sure yeah. has changed. Yeah, oh yeah. And what you want to get out of it. Totally. I think that's the same for acting. Do you feel like you flex that muscle? And, and, uh, and I can attest to this from being in class and uh, that there's, you know, the... Um, always learning something new about yourself because you're a getting probably new students all the time. Right. Right. And, but just how much do you feel like you 
need class versus like one-on-one coaching? Like, is there an extra, do you feel, beca- I mean, a, aside from just teaching more people and having more eyes looking at you and maybe a, a larger sense of responsibility, but is, I'm sure the same way that I could have a down day and, and go on stage and it can turn my fucking whole mood around. Do you have that with class? Where it's like, if you're just maybe overwhelmed by whatever, it's life or business stuff, and then you get in and you really have this like, maybe breakthrough with a with a certain actor or actress and and uh, or you connect with somebody or somebody kind of comes out of their shell. Like, do you have those moments a lot? All the time. And do you need them? Look, the thing about being classes, you are, uh, you know, you may be in a class with 17 other people and uh, they know all your tricks. They know everything that you do. So you really can't get away with anything. Right. Um, and... You know, to book a big job, and that's why I said the look in your eyes. To book a big job, you've got to be able to go in front of uh, Judd Apatow or Clint Eastwood. Or just think about when they can tell the people who don't really know what they're doing, who may be having a good run but not an actual real understanding of what they're doing. Right. And there's a difference. You can just feel that person who who has technique. And when I say technique, all that means is problem solving tools. You know, when actors call themselves technical actors, it doesn't mean they're thinking uh, about hitting certain marks. It just means that they're very aware when they're not honestly present, Mm. when they're not honestly in the scene. Right. And they have a lot of tools at their disposal uh, that they can, implement to get present and that just makes everyone in the room feel really comfortable because basically when you get one of those big jobs they're they're handing you the keys to their lives right you know those producers are going that like thank you're you're going to make either if it's a spielberg movie you know it's kind of like uh i mean i don't know steven spielberg but i'm assuming great guy but i'm i've heard yeah but i'm sure uh Look, he has a. This is a passion project. He's doing it because he really wants to make something special, right? And he's trusting you that you can help carry that vision, right? And then in with pilots, it's often these people who are like, "You have to pay my mortgage. You're going to help me pay my mortgage by, by executing." Right. So we want to have that great faith. And I think the one thing about being an acting class is that if you can gain that confidence to act in front of people that you know and still drop in, be present. It makes it so much go easier to go into rooms where people don't know you, where there's anonymity. Because you know, when you go in those rooms, you can go in, do your thing, leave, and create whatever story you want about how it yeah. went. But in class, I find it's even more challenging to find that concentration. Because there's all these, these people know you. Yeah, I can a thousand percent attest to that. Because that first class I had with all the people we mentioned, I felt very intimidated. Mm-hmm. And so it made me have to... I mean, I couldn't skip a rehearsal. I couldn't, I, I wanted to be so prepared. A, you know, and also, and this is why I think it is important to have a teacher like you that, not that you fear, but that you you do have a little need to impress, you know? Because I think that for anybody in any sort of art form, like you want, you know, you don't want that to be, you know, your own, like just be so product driven, but like get any sort of way for you to go like, I want to be at my best and and be the best I can however you get that so so for for me it was 
you know, wanting to you to know that I could hang with all these guys, uh, wanting the class of these people. You know, Teddy's on fucking uh, some CW show or whatever else, and 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 I want him to think like, sure. you know, again in the delusion, you're like maybe if Teddy sees me in a scene, he'll be he'll recommend me to the to the CW network, you know, and uh, but all those things play into you wanting to bring your best, and it's like you only get that from class, and I think you guys do a good job of like you know, constructing classes and putting people in situations to win and around people. I think we even talked about this when I got back in class. Right. So I was taking breaks and, and, uh, and that's also finding what works for you, right? Like I was, for me, I was so busy at one point where I was like, I didn't want to have to be leaving. I didn't want to have to not be there the whole time. And also I was getting more out of one-on-one, you know? Totally. Um, but, but there is, you guys got so good at knowing and you would talk to me about it. He's like, oh, I think I'm going to put you in this class. Can you do this? Because there's there's a good group in there. And I think you would, one time it was like you would benefit from this. And then you were like, I think they would benefit from you, you know, just from, and that's really, I don't hear any other place. And for any aspiring actors listening, like this is why you're the best in town because you guys have that extra sense of like trying to set you up to, to win and be challenged, you know, which is, which is, you know, there's so much of that already going on with like, I'm trying to get an agent, I should get new headshots. Oh, they're not even doing headshots. There's self-tapes, should I buy a camera? But it's like, you guys have all those tools and, uh, and business stuff, uh, you know, at people's disposal, but you also are thinking like... It felt like an ad. <laughs> it should be. <laughs> hey, sign me up, man. No, wait, I'll look, do it for free. I start, you know, I started to say, it's about to be our 10-year anniversary. Whoa. Yeah, February 2nd. Insert applause noise. That's hey. insane, dude. Know, crazy. Um, but now, you know, it's like we have 30-some people that I employ. And Did you ever think you would do that? No, not at all. You wow. have no idea. But not, no, 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 no. no clue. Um, but, you know, the one thing about creating your own place is you really kind of, I remember sitting down with Nicole Dalton. Yeah, lovely of course. Nicole helped me start the, the studio. And we really talked about creating some place that really reflected our everything we believed. And, uh, you know, um, I think it's really, I, I think a lot of people in acting just feel very not seen, not witnessed, you know? It's like, it's, it's hard as an actor. Like, you're going around, you're just trying to make it. Yeah. And, you know, as far as, like, the way you, you place people, it's a lot to say, like, I'm seeing where you're at right now. My job as an actor is just to meet you where you're at. You know, everyone's coming in at a different place. You know what I mean? Like you coming back, it's like you're at a different place than you were when you were like, yeah. like when they, when you were Wolverine. Yeah. You well, know, I'll, I'll always be Wolverine. You'll always heart. be Wolverine. Yeah. You but can't everybody, take the claws Everybody off. needs something different. Yes. Uh, and it's, you know, where I think we're, we're you know, it's certainly, uh, I think I'm good at assessing that. And, uh, you know, Sometimes people, uh, it's interesting. Sometimes you have an actor who's really great, who you think uh, wants to be around people who are at, at a similar place in their career and it actually does them a disservice. They actually need to feel more confident. So mm -hmm. they need to actually be with people that are maybe less successful. Right. So they can actually be reminded of how well they're doing. Yeah. Do you think, do you, um, you know, and this is another thing that I appreciate about you is that you know, even before we got to be good friends that you shot me straight. And if I came in and you could sense that we're doing a coaching or even in class and you're like, what's going on? And you still do that in class. Yeah. Do you do little check-ins with people? Yeah. And, do you check in? Which I think is like important. And then sometimes people, you know, 
take that as a uh, you know you're like what's going on like how much time do we have? Is this a four-hour class? All right. So my cat's sick, and you're like, okay, we just wanted to, gener- like, you know, let's let's be sparing with your um, with what's going on. But also, that does help you, and it helps the class kind of go, just especially for whatever is being worked on that night. It's like everyone kind of gets on board support-wise and goes, all right, you're going through some shit. You can actually use that in what we're working on tonight. Um, there was a great day the other day. I'll say this. Yeah, uh, there's this woman I have in class who is really great. Is lovely. Uh, but sometimes, like she, she's just kind of putting on, her check-ins uh, aren't authentic. They're not authentic. They're not authentic, and it's uh, sometimes you get a little bit curious about why she's expressing what she's expressing. And I was going to address it, but I was kind of like waiting. Yeah. And then uh, she came into class the other day and had a really just she was in a place, and she never comes in in a place. Like there was a little bit of sadness, and she just checked in and, and was brief, which is not usually what she is. Um, and she goes, I'm just stressed. I'm, um, I'm just, I'm, I'm feeling, I'm just not feeling very good today. And we were doing this really challenging scene from this great new uh, show. And she got up that night and did just brilliant work. Wow. Brilliant work. And I said to her, I go, you know, and I also wouldn't allow her to go first. She always loves to go first. And I said, I want you to watch. I just want you to watch. And she got up, she did her brilliant work. And There's I said, value in watching. That's another great thing va- about class. Value man. in watching. Yeah. And I said, listen, you're, that was the first time I've seen you have an authentic, vulnerable uh, uh, check-in where, and guys, check-in is not like this long thing. It's just saying no. what's going on with your career. Anything yeah. that you can just leave, just like, it's like an enema. Just get it out so it doesn't, thousand, it doesn't dude. like hover over it's you all over the class. Yeah. And then uh, I said, and that really, it was very brief but you was truthful and then you and that really allowed you to enter into the truth of the scenes you weren't putting anything on and then she basically revealed that she had gone through this big uh, divorce you know that i knew about but she said it was tra- traumatizing and and i think i'm so busy trying to cover and today i just wasn't able to and it allowed me to experience something real and truthful and uh, and it just really revealed an emotional intelligence that she had. And it was a great discovery for herself. That's incredible. Right? Those moments get you real fired up about fired what you're up. doing. Yeah. Yeah. And people and, and everyone and all the, you know, everyone in class, like that's, again, you, you, it, it bleeds onto everybody else, right? Like everyone's sitting there watching an inspiring performance. Like then you get, you know, you maybe check in with yourself and go, fuck, man, I didn't bring it the way I should have this week in class. So it's, I'm inspired to maybe do more work and be more prepped for next week, yeah? Yeah, well, the way- I know I felt that. There were times when I'd come in and I'd go, I got, like, some, some you know, great comedy scene and I was like, I did enough work to be prepped. Right. And again, you were good about, like, you could tell, too, and this is, you know, I remember doing, I wish I could remember what scene it was, and I did something, and this is what I really got out of it, too, which was you, you know, recognizing in a, in a not incredibly malicious way of, like, how much did you spend on time on this? And I remember being like, Dude, like, I don't know, 10 hours? And you're like, how much time did you spend on this? You just asked me again, and I was like, oh, man, like a, an hour maybe? And you were like, yeah, it showed, man. And like, and, but then you kind of, you know, peppered in some compliments about like, you know, and, and, and I think I spent time on it, and you maybe do it again the following week, but just like prepared it in addition to what we had to do for class right. because you were like, you did yourself like a disservice by not, you felt like you could... You know, just walk in and 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 crush this without um, 
and just and just putting these thoughts in my head of like don't you want to know what it's like to really look at something that you go oh i think i got that and spend more time and really get in and, and discover new things that you wouldn't have by not really uh getting your teeth dirty and that really like spoke volumes to me and and it's definitely affected the way i approach a lot of things now because i you know like anybody i'm sure there's you know, I mean, there's, you look at, Blake Griffin was telling us about how many athletes in the NBA, like, there's broken up into groups about, there's guys that... You had Blake Griffin. Oh, yeah. Wow. Yeah, I killed it. Tell and Gary Payton. Oh, he's amazing. Um, and Richard Jefferson. Uh, and Sue Bird. She was incredible. Wow. WNBA legend. I gotta listen to that yeah, one. Yeah, it's incredible. Okay. She's, I have a huge crush on her. Um, and uh, just the fact that there's people that get away with raw talent, there's people that have the talent and they fucking work overtime to improve on it and then the people that just have the talent they have and as hard as they work it's just like you know well I, there's a uh, a teacher i have in my studio uh who i coach all, i mean he was a longtime client and now he's become a teacher uh steven kruger he just booked a showtime show which is great fuck uh, yeah uh, uh do you get it how how pumped do you get when you when people book things that you've that are just in your system i am pumped when it is an earned job, when it is the appropriate evolution, like to, I, that's why I'm so proud of you because yeah. you have earned everything you have. Remember, you coached me on the Bellman, which oh, you got to come to the screening. It's in that's, a couple weeks. Are you kidding? That me? Tom Lennon movie that I was the lead in, first I, lead ever. I remember coaching you. You coached that. me, and then remember the tape got fucked up, and I came back and did it again. And remember? we had to do it again. Yeah. Yes, but Stephen, yeah, I mean, this is all earned. Stephen has worked so hard, and um, but Stephen is someone who will work. Harder than anybody I know as far as in, on his materials, but he will book coachings with me to now all the time. Uh, there's an audition he knows he might have in two weeks. And I'll be like, I just want to run this. I find that like, I want to work on this with you. And, and he's like, oh, you've given me a lot to think about. And then he'll go home and really figure out. Like wow. He doesn't treat the coaching like the final thing. Wow. That he just knows. Extra layers like, of discipline, extra huh? layers, layers. And sometimes he'll just... Uh, see a piece where he's like confused with a moment he wants to work that through with me so you talk about one-on-ones like clearly Steven is a very busy guy and he has found a way to make the one-on-ones his time him. to really dig in deep but he is constantly just trying to get better you know and trying to have a deeper comprehension Ryan Garcia who you know is yeah. a teacher you know he works up and he's like I don't understand this point of view and he was really excited to get in I just think that's the thing about acting is just and I think it's a lot of learned behavior, but like you get excited about something that may be challenging. You're like, yeah. I don't know what this is yet, but I really want to figure out what the fuck it well, is. Well, that happened in class a lot too. Cause there were times that you, and again, like feeling I, I, I was coming in, I always with, especially comedy stuff where I was like, I got it. Everything's in my wheelhouse. But then even to know that there were other things where you, you were like, you're not going for it the way that you could be. And that was, and in all aspects, not only stand up, podcasting, acting, whatever, like getting out of your own way and truly letting your guard down and being, for lack of a better word, fearless in, is so easier said than done, dude. Cause I thought I was, cause I'm like, I'm doing these videos. I do these characters. I do, I'm doing stand up. I'm pretty much, I get laughs. I'm, I'm my full self, but I was like, Oh, I'm not, I'm even scratching the surface of it. And that class, because it was, having somebody to really call you out on it in front of people to where it's fight or flight. And you're like, you know, a scene where it was like, dude, go, whether it was bigger with this uh, emotion or, or play this moment, uh, you know, really, you know, giving you more stuff to think about and, and challenging yourself. Well, that what, what I think bothers me in today's world is that, you know, like I get that the industry has changed, but I'm, 
I think so actors are focused so much on the business of acting yeah. that they're like, what's my type? What's my brand? What's my, and that's all they want to work on. Right. And the thing that grad school did give me and the moving to New York is like, I played an 80 year old man. Did that serve me? Like, am I ever, you know, I will be 80 at some point, but it taught me to stretch and to find things, to explore outside of necessarily what I'm gonna play, but there's still valuable lessons to be taken yeah. from it. Learning an emotional color, learning to uh, embody something physically. And I think, you know, so many times I'm watching actors not have the patience to- To do the work, right? To do the work or to explore, or to, or to explore outside. They want the most direct route to success. Yeah. And sometimes the most, like you are a great example of someone whose route to success was so is so roundabout. You have yeah, taken man. so many, such a circuitous route to success. I'm still taking them. And you're still taking them, but you're, you're going gladly, you're, you're w very willingly to like 500 episodes in a podcast, yeah. the videos, yeah. the stand-up, your booking, you're doing voiceover. I mean, that is, that's the life, you know? And as long as you do it with, with a bit of gratitude, then you're, you're, you're in good shape. Do you think that acting, like when you watch, do you watch a bunch of stuff? Yes. Really? You yeah. feel like that's, and do you think actors should be? 100%, yeah. you better be fans of these things. I Even just if watch, you're not, just watch to know the tone of, of a show that you yeah, can be. Yeah, to get really granular. Like, you've got to really have enough. We're living in a time where, look, TV is often so much better than film these days. A thousand percent. And, you know, I'm watching, I just, I just watched the show Unbelievable, which is unbelievable. I mean, it's just a gorgeous show. Really? Oh, God, I can't talk enough about it. Um, uh, and it's by, I can never pronounce his name, but one of my favorite writers adapted it, Michael Chabon, Chabon. I don't know, I, I found him in 1989. Chaboni, yeah. He's won, he, I know he's won a Pulitzer. He's just a brilliant writer. Wow. Um, but Merritt Weaver and uh, Tony, uh, Tony Collette, is that? Yeah. It? Tony Collette. I mean, they're just genius. Yeah, she just puts on clinics. Uh, you know, I... So you think that, so there, there is, as much as you feel like, you know, you see people and maybe coach them or have them come through class and you try to help break them down and go, you know, be less concerned about the branding or who you are and the, and the quick, quickest way to get to where you want to be and, and sit back and enjoy. I tell this to young comics that try to pick my brain and they're like, all right, I'm six months in. I think I'm done doing these bringer shows. I mean, you came to my bringer shows. Remember when I was like, hey, I need the whole class to come so I can yeah. get fucking 10 minutes at the comedy store? Yeah. And it's like, you know, six months in, they'd be like, all right, how do I become a regular now? And I'm like... Dude, A, it's just like, you have to enjoy the process of getting better. And if you can somehow adjust your mind to that, you know what I'm saying? And just go, all right, it's gonna be, it's gonna take a minute, but let me, let me sit back and, and, and like you said, have some patience, but also enjoy the, the uncertainty of like, because you only get it once, you know? I saw, I think Dustin Hoffman said on an Inside the Actor Studio once, he was like, man, your 20s, people, you know, uh, have so much disdain for because there's so much uncertainty. He's like, but that's dude, that's, what it is. It's like, that's such a great time. He's like, once you get in your 30s, maybe it's 40s, 50s, you start getting the uh, routine of life and, and whatever's going on, things become a little more monotonous. He's like, dude, you're never gonna have that time where things are so, and he's like, you gotta relish in that. He's like, you know, obviously make good choices, but like. Well, you have to develop taste. And I, when I watch actors, they, you know, you think you have taste, but it taste is something that you develop. Like in comedy, I'm sure, I'm sure with your podcast, like you start to develop, like this is what's actually yeah. working. And when you watch comics, like of course they want to know what you think because you've been doing it a long time. Yeah. And you start to know that's actually good or that's cheap, right? Can't you tell when a comic's using tricks? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. And it, it how does that sit yeah. with you? Yeah, like that's lazy. Yeah. Do you, do you think you can, um, there is a, uh, 
I don't know, like what what do you make like the perfect actor? Like somebody that, you know, like what if you see someone that you go and they've grown into? Is it a is it like like in stand up you have to live a life worth writing about? They always say right. So right. you can't. So I'm, that applies to acting. I feel too right. I if think you don't have experiences and, and like you said, developed taste and point of views, how are you going to be able to step into a, a, a given role? Uh, you're going to have a challenging time. Right. I think, you know, what makes me a perfect actor, um, someone who really already likes connecting, uh, which you always had, um, someone who's actually, actually curious about themselves and curious about other people, um, people who are um, willing to kind of like really if they run into a wall in their life, uh, you know, they're not busy blaming circumstances. Yeah. They're really wanting to know, like, what can I do to affect, what, what am I doing to participate in this? You know, it's like people who keep on getting involved in, in dysfunctional relationships and they keep on blaming the other people rather than thinking, like, I seem to be the one common denominator yep. in all of this. Yep. You know, I just think it's, uh, look, acting is just connection and being curious about when connection is difficult. You know, uh, I will say this too. It's so much easier to access. And this is again, why John Rosenfeld studios is the best place in LA to go for. If you are a young aspiring actor, uh, being able to access things when we're coaching and you're like, you give an example for, if it's a part or a moment, um, in a scene, you're like, it's like this, you know, you do that a lot. You go, it's like, and you break it down like that, dude, it always clicks because it's something a, you know, my life. So you can, pull from one of those moments or, right. or a person, even if I don't know that person, it's somebody that I know of and you can be like, it's like this, if they said this and you do this, that is so helpful. And again, it's a, it, that works for me as far as connecting and you recognize like, all right, this is how I can get through to Adam to make him yeah, try to get and in. for other people, it's different things, right. you know, for other, it might be a different tool, but that's a very, that's an easy one, just but using again, some as if. Sure, but again, it's, it's, it helps that I have had experiences yeah. enough that you can pull from to access that in me. And that is like... And to watch the light go off. You know, I always think of, uh, uh, you know, you talk about actors. Like when, when uh, Mahershala Ali came in years ago and he was Whoa. like, um, you know, he literally just wanted to uh, rework scenes he had already shot from House of Cards because he just didn't feel good about them. Damn. And I just admired that so much that, I mean, what, what is there to gain from it? Like, he's not going to reshoot it. He just wanted to feel good about his work. So there was no result in it other than him wanting to deepen his process. Yeah. And to me, that's, that's what I want from every actor, to actually just be, here's the thing. If actors are measuring their success by whether they booked a job or not, they're just so fucked. But if you can walk- oh, By the way, I did that for a while, and it's, it, it takes a minute to shift your mindset out of that. Right. Because you're like, I'm not getting anything. I'm not getting better, you know? But like with you, uh, uh, if someone said, uh, hey, you're going to go- you're gonna get a get to do a show at Madison Square Garden. What would your thought be? Fuck yeah! Right, you're not thinking. Oh, I don't know if I could do well in that. In, not now. In, I mean, I just did Radio City Music Hall with Dane, and that right. was. But guess what? That was one of the first ones I was a little nervous for, just because it was so. Being nervous is okay, but did you welcome it? Oh yeah, that's my. It point. was nervous uh, excitement. You know. So like, that's the thing is that with actors is that you got to be honest with yourselves because I have to admit like that where I struggled. Look, now I'm at the place where any actor who comes in, I'm excited to work with, you yeah. know? I'm just like, yeah, because I've, you know, as a teacher, I've been around enough to Even if it's I, some big superstar that you're like, you yeah, don't get Yeah, we've been getting a lot more, you know, we've been doing a lot more of those. And that's it's, awesome. It's exciting. You know, the one thing is that you just, you know, the one thing that's always interesting is when sometimes a certain level of celebrity, people kind of live in 
very interesting kind of glass houses yes. where you're like, oh, this is going to take a special, a different skill set. Just me understanding that you need a special. Treatment. Who better to, to get through that though than you, right? Right. You feel, you feel equipped to do that, yeah? I feel equipped. It's yes. almost like being a baseball manager, right? You got all these different personalities and you're like, all right, like I have to use a different, the way I talk to Adam, I can't talk to... Yeah, I, I, I would imagine hearing. being Who a manager for someone like Barry Bonds would yeah. be a lot different. Yeah, than being than a man, Dustin you know. Pedroia. Yeah. Um, uh, where was I? Uh, what was I saying? talking to these? Uh, just coaching some of these big. Uh, superstars. Well, no. What I was going to say is, is that I think fundamentally, yeah, as an actor, it's like you know, when you start to feel like, wow, okay, any genre, whether it's a, you know, an Oscar contending, you know, movie or like. Uh, that show unbelievable and by the way one of my actors uh did an amazing job in the first episode of that show That's john awesome. beavers um to watch his work it was just so spot on um but that actor you got to be honest with yourself are you actually <coughs> welcoming like i want my anything i want any opportunity because i will go in and i will i will feel good about my work yeah but i think a lot of the times uh People are saying verbally, I really want more auditions, but the truth is that they know that someone else is more prepared than they are. And when you truly feel that it is your time, and I think that's when you start working. Yeah. I think when you feel honestly entitled to it, and I don't mean entitled from a selfish place, entitled to like, I put in the work, I am ready. And every actor that I, have, that I know has earned that, who has said that out to the universe, like, it's my fucking time. It has happened very soon thereafter. And I know you started to get frustrated Fuck and that's yeah. when it started happening when you're like, okay, I put in the work, I'm ready. And then you go in and you seize it, you know, you actually go and you grab it and you're like, and you go into that room and you want to connect because you're saying, look at me, witness me, see me yeah. right now, you know, because if you really look at me, you're going to see that I'm fucking ready. And whether you're right or not, you're going to feel like you're more ready than anyone who else is in that waiting room. Yeah. And we're going to see that in the eyes and that is felt and that's palpable. It's the same way that in dating. You know, when you're dating and you meet your partner, uh, hopefully in a hopefully a functional relationship, you're witnessing someone who actually feels like they want to be like they're ready for this moment. Right. What do you say to people that are you got about 10 more minutes? You good? I mean, I have time. Yeah, no, I love this. Uh, what do you say to actors that that do go in? Because I know I've, I've brought this up to you and uh, and you've been real generous with your, you know, f feedback and critique about it. But it's like where you have five or six, you know, auditions, callbacks tests, whatever, where you go, God, I'm, I'm crushing it. And I'm sure you know people even, I think even you spoke about Todd at one point, you gave me as an example of a guy that maybe booked, right? Is that like I, so many, and shot the, here's the thing that people don't realize that aren't actors listening to this. I know we've talked about it in previous episodes, but you know, auditioning, getting a job, then doing the table read, staying on for that, hopefully. I mean, it, it, if you got the job, it's, I think, you know, more rare than not to get, canned from it having the show get shot having it get picked up having it go more than four episodes not get pulled and go to a stream i mean there's so many variables for something and so the anxiety just and the stress and the pressure doesn't really ever stop and so it's about maintaining a level of neutrality i think is that the word is neutrality a word i like it calm yeah, <laughs> yeah. there's a when you get on a little riff like that you're like just start putting in words that you're like, my brain, it makes sense to my brain. Yeah. But like, Todd, I think you said, got a bunch of those. And that really put it in perspective for me. Cause I was, you were like, Hey man, I know you're frustrated about this, 
but th- like there's also this side of it too and like you just have to find that well go in control what you can control because there's other shit that's out of, Todd, out of yours point, I, I believe i may be off but i feel like he tested 12 times in a pilot season maybe oh. it's eight i don't know but he didn't get anything by the way testing for people that don't know it's down to you maybe two maybe three Four people. And you sign a contract. And so, that says like, how much you're going to make for that show which if is you a, get the job. a lot of money. And so each time you're going in like, hey, I may earn, theoretically, uh, half a million to a million dollars this year. Oh, my God. And then, or, and then, or more. And then you don't get it, you know, as you're living in your, you know, little apartment. Dude, Craig Zimmerman, uh, real quick. He was in our class, too. Do you remember Craig? Yeah. Remember he said that it was between him and Zach Braff for Scrubs? Right. Do you remember that? Holy shit. Oh, that's just that. Craig up. now I think is a father and crushing it. And, and I used to see him a, a lot. He used to help me out. Brilliant actor. Uh, but that's another thing where you just go. Oh, I remember I, I was up. I was one of the finalists for the movie uh, iRobot. No way. Yeah. And I was like, I, it was just, it was between just me and a couple of people. Me and the, the person who got Alan Tudyk. And um, what's his name from Princess Bride? Uh, I forget. And I was like, I really felt like I was about to go away with Will Smith for six months. Holy and shit. Be the lead of, uh, be the robot and I robot. And you were convinced, huh? I mean, it was up, it was just between us. And uh, I did not get it. And, you know, it's, and it's interesting. Like, there's no, it's just there, you just go home and you're back to your life. And there's no momentum from that event. <coughs> You know, when you first come out and you get like little pins in you, you're, you know, you, you know, pins mean that you're, in theory, it's like casting pins you to the wall, meaning you're one of the top choices. Yes. So like, tell us if you're going to book, like, if you book anything else. And initially I got really excited about pins, but then pins started to feel really bad. Yeah. But look, hey, I'm on, I, I'm the person who's on the couch now. I'm not acting, you know? I'm How did you that. deal with that? When you did say you go back and you didn't get the job, did, what, did you try to spin it positively immediately or did you kind of go? I wasn't very good at it. I tried to spin it positively, but, I, you know, it, it, it was really char- challenging for me. It was. But, you know, I went to my therapist. I went to my therapist. That was a big one. But to speak to what, you know, to speak to Todd, I remember at one point when he was really down, uh, really down he did something incredible he went to uh he joined this organization where it was a really uh, humanitarian effort where he had to raise money to go to basically go to africa and bring basically it's this incredible thing where you basically go you pick up a child who who needs surgery that cannot be performed there you bring them to a hospital here right and uh, wow yeah like he had someone who had was born with their heart inside out uh, or cleft like uh, maybe it's something about the cleft palate fucked up lip yeah but it was this extraordinary thing where he and i remember his reps were like don't go you're in the middle of pilot season but todd's like i'm going like i need to do something because all of this worrying about getting a job is going at my core of my soul and like i need to do something that's not for me wow dude. and he went and he did that and uh booked a pilot shortly thereafter because I think he finally stopped worrying about the job. Where he played a cleft lip doctor or no? What's that? Like where he was like a doctor fixing cleft lip? Like did it tie no, in? No, he wasn't the doctor. He just brings the child Right, to but was the, the job that he booked, was it like? <laughs> no, it was a joke. It would right, be great if there. That's yeah, it. for sure. Yeah. That's good. I should have known it was that's a okay. joke. That's okay, yeah. Sorry. Uh, <laughs> but then that's how he started the company, This Bar Saves Lives. Shut the fuck up. Yeah, This Bar Saves Lives was now like in every uh, Starbucks, yeah. and Costco, and like all that. That came out of, and basically that's like the Tom Shoes of, for, for every bar they sell. They sell supplement to, you know, to Africa. 
I believe. Wow. If I'm misstating it, I apologize. But that came from Todd realizing that I can't just be so self-consumed and just be worried about getting a job. And you were saying like, yeah, what breaks a good actor is like having a life, you know? And Todd, I, I think that was just a, uh, his version of like having a life outside of like the work. How has being a father changed the way you approach? Um, your son's now six? Seven. He seven. just turned seven. Uh, I mean, you're crushing the dad game, and you have been from the get-go. Yeah. Don't. You worry you always screw up, but yeah, of course. Of course you worry you screw up, but like, I've seen you with him enough to know the way he looks at you yeah. that you're crushing it. And I can only imagine and, and speak to what I hear from people that talk about it and how it does affect the positive um, side of, of your work, but what has changed in you as a... I don't know, speak to it from a, as a man, as a, as a teacher, though. Like, when you come to, is there more, like, do you see the stuff happen with your son that you can almost kind of take, like, your fatherly instincts and bring it to the class? Or when you're oh, dealing? all the time. Yeah. I mean, if anything. Uh, Are you even know, more compassionate? Like, what is? I am. I mean, I just, you know, the one thing about watching Charlie is... Uh, just to watch his like exuberance, his excitement, and the fact that he, you know, his ability to walk around naked, like the the, the lack of shame, uh, you know, his enthusiasm. Also to watch, you know, him actually be introduced to comparing himself and to feel Oof. like rejected, to watch that slowly seek, sink in, those things that the unfortunate, you know, uh, uh, pains of growing up. You almost forget that kids have to go through that until they it do. happens, it's, right? It's heartbreaking. Yeah. And to watch it, like right now, and Charlie is so vulnerable and warm and loving, but, you know, there's this kid who's being mean to him and, and Charlie doesn't have perspective. Like he doesn't have that empathy of like, that kid's just going through a tough time. Yeah, dude. You know, and it's, and, you know, my job is to do is just to be present for me. But, you know, also, you know, I had a kind of fractious relationship with my father for a variety of reasons. And, you know, um, so he, he, you didn't get a lot of advice about things like that? No, I like got advice, or? but I think, you know, uh, my father, he's still around. Yeah. You know, I love him, but he's definitely someone that took a lot of gambles, took a lot of risks, yep. you know, which put us often in financial jeopardy. Um, wow. So I am very much, uh, I think the thing that changes is everything is about not ever jeopardizing, you know, what I provide for him or give for him. There That's is huge. a constant... Uh, I'm consumed with him feeling very safe in that regard. So you won't be betting on the Seahawks Eagles game on Sunday. Uh, a gentleman's bet. With yeah. a, shake. <laughs> <laughs> a subway sandwich. Uh, do, um, does he have any aspirations at this age? And if you will, moving forward, like about being an actor and getting into the business. Oh, Cause God. you're so no, no. I mean, you will discourage it. I would never encourage it. You know, Good I, I would never encourage it. Um, if he wants to act, he better be begging me. And he would have to beg me multiple times. Would he also have to be good? Would you have to be like, put something on tape. Send it to me. If you yeah. can, if you can figure out how to send a link at seven. Book some time with the studio. Yeah. <laughs> book some time with the studio. We'll get you a tape. Yeah. Me. Be a professional actor. Yeah. No, that would be. Uh, but like, what would he have to treat like? I mean, I. Well, I have if he not, is dog shit and you're like, God, and like now I got to go through the. The really like getting all, like now it's I have to dig deep in myself to find that extra level of like parental support to go like if you love it like stick with it but well what's funny is I think because he's around my studio a lot like you know he comes after school he's oh got, really he does and okay well then he's probably got a good knack for it 
Well, I just th- from being around people. Well, I like, think, but the thing is, because it's what daddy does, you know, I think it loses its value. Hilarious. <laughs> you know, it's like, oh, are you, are you an actor? Okay. Is that what he said? Yeah, I'll say. Yeah, yeah that's funny. Action. It's interesting. That's probably also on a weird level good, though, like to be around that's those good. types of personalities. Because, like, it's why, I remember one of my athlete buddies said when he was hanging out, because I was definitely one of those blurred the lines, you know, jock and did all the plays. So like, I definitely bridged gaps of like theater kids and athletes like kicking it, you know, yeah. which was really cool. <laughs> and it was nothing to me. And they all kind of knew each other because we all kind of grew up in, you know, elementary school or middle school. Right. And so when I'd see them at a party or at a thing talking like they'd never talked before and it was like, oh yeah, because you, you know, especially at high school, you are in such different worlds. Like, you know, Jock saying over here, whatever, theater kids and just even friends and so to see them interact and get along. And I was like, oh, that's really cool just to gain these other, um, my my jock friends and some of them really spoke to, they were like, they were almost jealous. They're like, God, I wish I was in a fucking play. Like, you theater weird? kids are so fucking cool and fun. And I was like, and it, it, he just, so again, to speak to like Charlie being around all these actor personalities, I think is like beneficial but isn't that amazing when you watch people from two different worlds actually get curious about each other's oh, lives crazy and they knew each other but didn't know, but they no, were they like don't, because you're like you're a different world yeah i remember when i was at oberlin and, and like my baseball player uh my teammate came to see me do a play and he was you could tell he was really shaken is he like you know but he's like you learned all those lines of course you know they always say so that funny they always say that but it, he had actually it meant so much more though yeah he basically was like you stood up there vulnerably and did that Wow. He didn't say it, but you could tell that's what was behind yeah. all those words. Wow, dude. I know, right? Yeah, we're heroes. What? <laughs> we're the bravest no, people on but planet I think Earth. It is, it is interesting. You know, you watch um, uh, anytime. I, I tried to show Charlie a, a video, like some, of an episode of something I did of me on, on TV. And I mean, literally, he could. he's like, I, I don't want to do this, Dad. I don't want. I don't want to watch that because he doesn't care. He sees me every day. Why would he want to watch me pretending to be so something funny. else? You know what I mean? Yeah. It's like if it's not. I know that's not real. Yeah. Uh, do you get along with like the? How has it been transitioning into like the? You know, making friends with like the parents and the dads and like again you being around such fun, exciting you know scary uh you know uh trepidatious personalities and then like you get around like your kids friend like that are doing just not jobs in our world it's hard man yeah it's hard you know not everyone's your crew and you just start to recognize like i remember this i'm not gonna say who uh there was like this one kid i was like please let me like their parents please let me like their parents and they came over and i was like i don't like that, like this. This. So then you try to like stage a fight with like your kid and his kid, so they never <laughs> hang out. Like, dude, that's right, Charlie. Heard... I think he was talking shit about your lunchbox. Man. Yeah, you might wanna... yeah, that's exactly what we do. Yeah, yeah, so you... What do you do? You just like, but again, you're so it's good a, at being. It, it just sat. Well, some of the best acting you've done has probably been trying to impress, uh, just hang out with some of these dads that you don't get along with, huh? Well, I we should put I, that on I, your I, fucking so reel. I, I typically don't. My wife is great, but yeah, she's Gab's kind of she's the. She connects everybody, and she yes. has managed to amass quite a, a group of like lovely parents, and they're oh, gr- good, and they're great, good, they're great. But again, you know, it, it you find them when you become a parent. It's similar to being in high school in the fact that you got to find your friends. Wow, dude! I know you're right back. You're, if, if sometimes it feels like I've regressed. Yeah, dude. Um, where where do you see the John Rosenfeld Studios going in like the next? I don't know. Oh, I mean, because again, you saying ten years, like you didn't think it was going to be. 
I'm sure you did deep down subconsciously. It's what you wanted, right? To grow into something like this, to be able to help as many people as you are. But to be a well-oiled machine like it is now, do you feel like it is? It is a... Constantly it, evolving. It's a very involving. I work an enormous amount of hours. I can't do what I'm doing today 10 years from now. Like, I can't be at the same, like, work. Hey, you shouldn't be. I can't. So, you know, it's going to be transitioning, I think. Um, I don't know. It's, it depends on a lot of different things. I think we're going to be doing a little bit of, I think we're going to be creating some online stuff. Cool. Uh, which will be fun. Uh, I'm excited about getting into some new ventures that way. I want to start going on the road a little bit more, like maybe taking, uh, doing like workshops in like Atlanta and New York. You a thousand percent should. Are you fucking yeah, kidding me? I don't really know how to go about it, but I'm 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 trying to figure that oh, out. Oh man, let me try to connect my dots and see how I can yeah, help you out with I that. Really like would... you dude, the amount of and I used to do those all the time, the the casting director workshops even. And they were beneficial, but like getting people that you know, it it's you just you need like if you could have people from all there's probably so many actors in areas that just don't are, don't even have the exposure to things like what you're doing or you know, in Omaha, Nebraska, there could be kids that are just like, fuck, I wish there was a, you know, somebody coming through at some point or something I could find. I mean, and look, there's so many now. I just watched this Brad Pitt, Adam Sandler thing that Variety did. Do you ever watch any of those things? The Variety? Yeah, Var- yeah, yeah. Like yeah, actors yeah. on actors. Oh, I those love that. I love that. Unbelievable right? and really great. And you can gain a lot, a lot from that. But it's just like seeing live theater or live stand-up, man. You got to be in the same room to really get. Yeah, and to watch uh, nothing thrills look i do consultations every week yeah and just you know it really does make my day to watch one person's light bulb go on yeah dude you know just to watch them suddenly have a discovery of of process and self and but to, and to go to look in a lot of these cities it's not a, like very talent i'm sure there's very talented teachers but sometimes they're not as clued in to like what the current you know just how to find a really uh, uh, efficient process. Yeah, but also so, if you are an acting teacher in Omaha, things didn't go according to plan. You yeah. know what I'm saying? <laughs> and like maybe they are just regurgitating what they saw in the Any Giving Sunday speech from Al Pacino. You know, they're just like, I don't have a lot of reference points, so I got to fucking say what I've seen. Do you, almost like the way a doctor, like my dad still goes to like conferences when he can, you know, he's getting a little older, but like how do you, what's your process for still absorbing new info to and adding more tools tools to your belt to, oh to when you bring into class like no. what do you is it just watching I, well watching i want but i am a, there's no acting conferences like hey here's a new intention way, to a, teach to a student there's a new there's a new version of an objective that yeah we've discovered yeah, yeah yeah Ooh, uh well that's the see the great thing is there's nothing there's never gonna be uh here's how you do it book. a new yeah it, it's um it's all out there it's all it's all it's all there for you. Um, I think I, I listen to podcasts con- constantly. Awesome. I just love podcasts. I love yours. I love, you know, um, I, I listen to various podcasts because I just like to hear other people's takes. And sometimes, uh, you know, I'm sure you've listened to like Brene Brown. Yeah. You know, Brene Brown says so many things that I said. She just says in a way that is... Uh, again, I'm not taking no credit, but I, I, she says it so well and so beautifully, and her point of view is so uh, touching, and that just she's so powerful. Uh, but then I also listen to like Sam Rock, Rockwell podcasts, and you know I listen to you know something that uh, interview with Leah Schreiber, and and I just 
Wait, what's the Sam me... Rockwell pro- podcast called? He's one of oh, my favorite no, he, actors. No, he was a he, he was, was on one. He was just on one. He was like he's been on a, 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 a um, he's been on many, but um, it just gets me to. I'm not hearing anything I don't know, but it makes me remember stuff I know. Gotcha. You know, and I think so many times, like, look, we're all very wise people. I just think we forget a lot of our wisdom. You know, we forget how much knowledge we have in our brain. Sometimes we got to hear it again. It's yeah. like pot definitely gets. It's in like the way going of that. through your class and going, "Oh, I forgot I had this 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 shirt." Dude, I just did that three yeah, days we ago. We all do it, and I think all of us forget. And that's a lot of what acting class is. It's like remembering things that you already know that have just been buried somewhere. And being around people that can pull those out. And uh, right, and and being in environments that encourage those discoveries to happen. Yeah, and it makes frequently. you. Ha- and it's, it's always interesting. Like, don't you just feel more grateful for what you have when you oh. re- remember that? Fuck yeah! It's like a friend who calls you. Like Jesus, you're in my life. Yeah. It's like that's how I feel every time you come in, Adam Ray. Yeah, I get to hang out with you. Yeah, man. Yeah, it's the best. Well, you're uh, you're a gem. You're truly, uh, I feel lucky to have had you in my life this long and uh, you've helped me so much. And also just life advice. You're, it does help to, to listen to somebody with the, um, you know, with the critique on my work when I'm like, all right, I know you're also a good dude, you know? Well, if, I love you. If you were a piece of shit, I'd be like, yeah, maybe, uh, maybe you don't know comedy as much as you think you do, but you're, you're dialed in. And um, where do people go if they want to sign up or the... Oh, you can go to... Uh, if you're an aspiring actor, you just got here, or you're in class and you're looking to make a switch. Go to www.johnrosenfeld.com. Easy. Uh, or you can just call the office at 323-656-1937 and they will get you all set up. I'll say this too, man. There is a, uh, there's no lack of immediacy to response and attention from your staff. We have an amazing I mean, staff. I'd like to think I've been there for a while. I've spent some money that I should, uh, you know, get a, an email back. But guess what, dude? It was like that from the get-go. Yeah. It's pretty fucking amazing. And that is all, that speaks volumes for any business. When you're like, oh, cool, they give a shit and they want to, or if, you know, a voiceover thing pops up or I have an audition. I mean, you guys are so understanding of everything. And it's like, it's great. Like not, you know, charge me for something if things didn't, you guys are very, it's, it's the ideal spot. You know, my office would love to hear that. The business part coincides with with the uh, with the help you're getting. You know, thank you. And that's that's any good business model. Well, last thing we need is the actor feeling already stressed just about their coaching. Yeah, dude, they're stressed enough. Um, all right, so where do you go now? Now you have a what's you have I a meeting? Consultations today. Nice, dude. Yeah, you're about to meet some new for the come? first time. New actors. Yeah, meet like a, a handful. I would of like people. to sit on in on one of those anytime. One time. Really? Um, yeah, no, it's it's great. It's fun. You you can talk about it here, but you'll witness a lot. Do you of tape them? Thanks. What? I don't tape them. Isn't it crazy? You could be talking to like a future Amy Adams or a future fucking Benicio del Toro. Or a future fucking Mario I, Lopez. I remember, who knows? I, there's a woman who's on a show right now called, say, wait, what's it called? Uh, insatiable. Uh, insatiable. I may be getting it wrong. Yeah. Uh, Kimmy Shield. She's lovely. And I remember she came in to me uh, a couple of years ago and uh, she walked in and she was just so clearly ready. And I remember I said, oh, you're going to book really I agree. No, you're right. I, I said, do you have a great relationship with your mom? She's like, my parents are the best. She was just so loved Whoa. and ready and going, all she needed is a little help with genre, but she booked within just months. That's amazing. So quick. You could just Maybe a show so is next for you, dude. Maybe like a talk show for actors. I don't know. Like, Let's do it. How help do you me. parlay? Help me do it because this right. is really fun. It is. You're great at it. Oh, well. 
gosh. I'm <laughs> blushing. Also, there's going to be a lot of people that are going to, there might be, we might have to do some animations or make some memes of Clooney talking with you right next to it. There's going to be some people like 10 minutes in, they're going to be like, wait, that's not Clooney? This guy. Yeah. I, I don't think that, that I'm, I'm very curious to see what that would be. Yeah. The, My wife get, likes to think of it. That she way. loves it. Right. Yeah. No, oh, she she's likes like, it. Oh man, I'm fuck, I'm with Clooney. I'm with Clooney. Dude, the she bold, just closes her I'm eyes the and bold just, Clooney. <laughs> John, you're the best. I love you. You're the best. Love you too. All right. Hope you guys enjoyed the episode. One more story that John told me after the pod and I had to include it. So we went back and recorded it. So enjoy this bonus story with John Rosenfeld. All right. So, so your grandfather was an orthopedic surgeon. For my the grandfather, uh, Dr. Robert Rosenfeld, was the orthopedic surgeon for the Oakland Raiders for 30 some years. And before that, USC. Uh, and so that's where he became good friends with Al Davis. Yeah. Um, so actually, what's so sad is that uh, after my grandfather died, a book was written about him. So you know that movie, Any Given Sunday? Yes. And some of that dirty stuff. That, game ages. That, you know, and some of the dirty stuff that James... Uh, was it the doctor? Remembers? James Woods. Yeah, that was based on my grandfather. Hello. Great. From book. <gasps> yeah. Switching x-rays and stuff like that. No way. Yeah. Um, so I will always remember when I was, uh, when I was in college at Oberlin, uh, my grandfather uh, flew me out. And we were always really proud, you know, really proud of having Dr. Bob Rose. But I have a picture of him in my home office. That's amazing. Where it's my grandfather sitting, uh, standing in between Otis Sistrunk and this other player. It's black and white. It's amazing. And you got you went to Raiders games all the time. Then, yeah, huh? we used to fly up to Oakland all the time. And then obviously when they moved down to LA, we went to them all the time. Oh my God. Um, but in like 1990, I believe it was, uh, I was on the field. And it was just so cool because I'm flying from Ohio to Philadelphia yeah, to see a game with my grandfather. Yeah, well, he's working. And... Uh, Herschel Walker was a running back for the Eagles, a beast. And I remember he runs through the line and this linebacker, I don't know his name, but huge six foot six guy holds a, uh, what's this called? Where you pull out, Stiff, or no, a, uh, uh, a close line. To tackle him, yeah. he tries to clothesline him. But Herschel Walker runs right through his arm. And so the player just goes down and Herschel Walker again, a beast. So yeah. the linebacker for the Raiders just screaming in agony, just screaming. Like it's like his shoulder had just been ripped apart. And so my grandfather goes into the field and they get him in the cart and he waves to me to get onto the cart. So I'm sure I was on TV or something. So I get on the cart on the field and we go into the locker room oh so I can watch God. my grandfather deal with him. It was very exciting for me. Yeah, behind the scenes. So then my grandfather walks. Um, my grandfather's going to treat him. And I mean, the guy is just writhing in pain. So my grandfather takes out a big needle. I would say it's about how long is that? Like six to eight inches? Yeah. Right? Yep. Six to eight inches. And Which in, ladies is fine. Keep going, yeah. Injects him in the front of his shoulder. They wait a couple of minutes. He shakes his arm aggressively to see how much pain there is. And he writhes in pain. So then my grandfather refills another six to eight inch, you know, like another, like yeah. refills it again, shoots the other side of the shoulder. Holy shit. Shakes his arm aggressively, writhes again, still in pain. Takes another needle. Good God. Shoots the top of his shoulder. <laughs> Waits a couple of minutes. Shake, yeah, shakes it aggressively. No pain. Then he gets back out in the game. <laughs> oh my God. And I just like that man is, I'm sure has the most, like I'm sure everything is just destroyed in there. 
and so my grandfather that just gave me a different relationship to holy shit football it was like that's that's bad and i will say my grandfather uh had a different relationship to pain i remember we were at uh dinner once <coughs> and he always had his shoulder pop out mm. and i remember at it, dinner I don't know what happened. It just fell out. God and so damn. then he was like, oh. And then we walked outside. We're to valet because we were at a restaurant. And he walks outside and just, there's a car. And he just bangs his body against the car to put his shoulder back. <laughs> dude, that's old man grandpa shit, dude. Old, oh, when I, 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 I tore my lip when I was a little kid. I, 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 when I was like four or five, I somersaulted into the corner of a glass coffee table. Nice. And I was just split completely open. Yeah like waving and uh and so we drive to his office so he could stitch me up and i'm screaming in agony and i just hear my mom say to him like why isn't the novocaine working (laughs) and then my grandfather goes i didn't give him novocaine (laughs) oh my god so i think it's probably good that it's changed a bit yeah dude i mean I don't know whether football is still like that. It may be. I bet it is to a certain extent. I know they've gotten just better, right, with, like, how they can treat things. But, like, fuck, man. You see some of these guys with some of the pain and injuries they deal with and go back out there. So I'm assuming the Players Association has gotten a little bit more stringent. But to remember when, what was it, Ronnie Lott who just cut yeah. out this? Yeah. Yeah. I don't know if they do that anymore. They need to also just legalize weed and get these guys off the pills. That, like, there, yeah. there are more side effects. Dude, all the wait, pills. Give, wait, they can't smoke weed? No. That is ridiculous. Yes, yeah. and they're they're trying to do it because it's like to, to alleviate pain. But so many guys post NFL were like, "Yeah, dude, when I got off opioids and uh, started smoking pot, like I definitely health wise was better." And some guys didn't make it out alive because of the the pill addiction. But it's like, dude, every pill commercial I see adds a new side effect. It's like you know weird butt stuff. You're gonna tell shitty parties at barbecues. You know Lyme disease, liver Lyme disease. And weed side effects are like may forget where the TV remote is <laughs> while you're holding on to it. You know what I'm saying? It's really you may forget where you parked your car. Yeah, so I don't know. That's it's a no brainer, but that's that's for another podcast. All right. Well, I, I'm looking forward to it. Subscribe on iTunes to this fucking podcast. Give them a five-star rating so this midget and this Jew can feel good about themselves for a couple minutes. Also, get on your iPhone or Android and get the podcast app. You can also listen to it on Stitcher or aboutlastnightpodcast.com, where you can hear past episodes with great guests like Lisa Kudrow, Paul Feig, Kevin Nealon, Bob Saget, Dion Cole, Chris D'Elia, Adam Devine, Michael McDonald, Jaleel White, Bud Friedman, Steve-O, Harlan Williams, Tom Arnold, Ron Funches, Rick Glassman, Blake Anderson, Anders Holm, Jessamay Peluso, Joey McIntyre, and many, many more. I'm Tony Danza. Thanks for listening to the About Last Night podcast. Good night.
That's it, right? You got it? Sweet. Boy, it smells good in that booth, by the way. What kind of candle is that? Hanukkah Willow? <laughs> nice. Meh, what's up, dog? This is your pal Bugs Bunny. Say, uh, I got a question for you. Do you know who has the head of Elmer Fudd and the body of Foghorn Leghorn? Why, that's Adam Ray and Brad Williams. Ain't I a stinker? Seeking the truth never gets old. Introducing June's Journey, the free-to-play mobile game that will immerse you in a thrilling murder mystery. Join June Parker as she uncovers hidden objects and clues to solve her sister's death in a beautifully illustrated world set in the roaring 20s. With new chapters added every week, the excitement never ends. Download June's Journey now on your Android or iOS device or play on PC through Facebook games.